Hello and welcome to Around the Nest, Jay talking our way around the Toronto Blue Jays organization. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, and over the course of this week's show, let's talk about oddities. Let's talk about weirdness, all those different things that occurs over the course of a long season. You never know what can spice things up, but we're going to begin with Buffalo. The Buffalo Bisons have a double header being played today. It's going to take place a little bit later on today. And so let's check in with Pat Malacaro. Thanks, Jesse. It's been an up-and-down week for the Bisons, having won the first five games of their seven-game homestand. Buffalo carried the momentum of their weekend series sweep over scranton Wilkesbury into their first two games against Syracuse, where Buffalo never scored first. The Chiefs always jumped out in front of the Bisons. Buffalo would win the opening game of the series 8-5 to five after falling behind by two runs, but they would touch up starter Austin Voth. Buffalo's offense was very good over the first couple of days of the series. A lot of extra base hits. Tim Lopes had a two-run triple in the third inning that helped the Bisons defeat Syracuse in that opening game of the series. And then another bounce-back performance for the Herd. Four runs of the second inning of game number two against the Chiefs. They were able to score the 5-4 win, thanks in part to the home run by Gift Ngope. He hit his first home run as a member of the Bisons. Both he and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had two-run homers in a four-run second inning that would help Buffalo defeat Syracuse 5-4 in the first two games of the series, but unfortunately for the Herd, then Syracuse charged back. A 7-2 win in the third game of the series, and then yesterday afternoon, the Chiefs jumped out to what was an 11-1 lead. Unfortunately for the Bisons, red-headed starter Sean Reed Foley was good in the first inning, but in the second and into the third inning, just uh, was not able to locate his pitches well enough and hit his spots. And for Sean Reed Foley in his AAA debut, lasted just two and a third innings, giving up eight runs. They were all earned. And that would help Syracuse jump out to, at the time, an 8 nothing lead. It would become 11-1 to in the bottom of the sixth inning. But then Buffalo actually went to work. They collected a handful of runs, seven runs between the sixth through the ninth. Buffalo's rally fell short, 11-8. to And when you look at the box score today, you'll see that Darnell Sweeney and Ian Parmley both came in to pitch for the Bisons in the loss. For Sweeney, he pitched the eighth inning. Ian Parmley, second time in as many years that he pitched for the Bisons, both recording a strikeout, neither giving up a hit. Their lines identical. An inning pitched, no hits, no runs, no walks either. And each had a strikeout, pitching one, two, three innings uh, for the Bisons in the eighth and the ninth. Unfortunately for Buffalo, the rally would fall short. Three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning, but the rally would end there. 11-8 to eight was the final. Another note on Ian Parmley, Jesse, is that last year, almost a year to the day, was his first pitching performance for the herd he actually got the win in extra innings he pitched two innings of relief against Pawtucket on May the 19th in 2017 a night in which David Price actually got the start for Pawtucket in a major league rehab assignment it would go to extra innings Parmley would pitch two innings and get the victory the second time the Bisons have been affiliated with the Blue Jays that a pitcher has gotten credit for uh, extra innings in relief for the Bisons. The first one was Ryan Schimpf, who actually notched a save in Columbus back in, I believe it was, 2015. So Bisons had a couple of uh, position players pitch yesterday. Today the Bisons take on Rochester. Now we start to get the check in the mail, so to speak, for the all those doubleheaders that have been stacked up of the 10 games that were postponed, eight scheduled to be made up. The first doubleheader 
is scheduled for later on this afternoon in just under an hour for those listening uh, as the Bisons and Rochester meet for a pair of ball games. In game one, it'll be starter Taylor Guerreri, who has gone back into the rotation since all the topsy-turviness of the Bisons and Blue Jays pitching staffs recently. Guerreri has made a handful of starts for the Bison, so he'll make a start here this afternoon, and then after him, it'll be Justin Dillon making the start in game number two. That's the story here from we're in Rochester for the Bisons and their week uh, that was and the weekend coming up on this Memorial Day weekend. Jesse, back to you. All right, thank you very much. Pat Malacaro, the voice of the herd, and they've got a double header to play today. And now let's go down the ladder. Let's join in with the voice of AA New Hampshire, Tyler Zickel. Zick, how are you? Jesse, I'm fantastic, and i got to lead off with an, an apology because last week I promised you Tyler Murray, yet once again the Cats play most of their games on the road this week. So you get Zick for one more week, but after eight games in seven days starting tonight here at Northeast Delta Dental Stadium, we are going to get LT Murray some love on Around the Nest next week for sure. Hey, that's fine with me. We'll talk to the voice of the people when we get to them. Let's talk to you, though, because your New Hampshire Fisher Cats continue to play compelling games. The theme of this week's show is oddities, unusual things, things that keep us on our toes. Before we get into specifics, let's listen back to Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s walk-off. Tying run off of second base, it's Bobashek. One run game, three outs to go. The pitch is swung on and hit in the air to right field deep. Back to the wall, Taylor. Vladdy walks it off. Ball game over. 6-5 final, and the Fisher Cats win game one. Standing ovation at Northeast Delta Dental Stadium. Tyler, was it getting to the point as we got into the over the course of this week and especially last weekend where you thought there is no deficit that this team is not going to overcome? You're absolutely right, Jesse. I think you hit it right on the head because there are just two losses this year for the Fisher Cats who are 27 and 17 where they have not brought the tying run or the winning run or go-ahead run to the plate in their last at-bat. So this is a team that will always fight, always crawl, always scratch. And, you know, they're out in front big numbers more often than not. In fact, they have more four-plus run wins than any other type of win this season. And, of course, with the league's best offense, you're going to expect some of those numbers and some of those results. But even yesterday in Reading, in our getaway day, the tying run was at third base after the Cats fell behind 3 nothing early. So to see the boys continue to show that fight, that scratch, that claw, certainly begets the name Fisher Cats and is a testament to these guys' will to win and competitiveness for sure. Talk about strangeness. What have you seen this year that you say, boy, we might not see this again this season, the unusual things that have happened? Well, I did see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. strike out looking over the last three days in Reading, if you want to talk about uh, things that rarely, if ever, happen. But other than that, I think just watching these three guys, uh, when we talk about Vlad, Bo, and Kevin, we've talked about it more times around the nest than we have not talked about it, and that's just the way they handle themselves. So nothing odd in that regard. Uh, but that said, I think Kevin Biggio, as we've discussed more than one time on this show, is that he is the guy who has been the surprise of the year, and his home run swing, 
I don't know if you'd call it an oddity, but for the sake of the conversation, I think the fact that he's still at the top of the league leaderboard in home runs and is chasing Vlad for the league lead in RBI, not something you expected necessarily from Kevin Biggio coming in. So shamefully, nothing too odd or zany or out of the ordinary, nothing you'd find on a blooper reel at a big league ballpark. That said, again, as we've discussed before, Kevin Biggio's ascendance and coming out party this year, the most surprising part of the 2018 Fisher Cats up to this point. Let's talk about Sean Reed Foley. He gets the club AAA, and I know that his debut at the Buffalo Bisons would not, was not what he wanted it to be, but how did you watch Reed Foley develop as just simply a New Hampshire Fisher Cat from last year through this year, earning that promotion? You know, Jesse, I think a lot of it for Sean happened off the field and things that he had to work through with his own identity and things that he decided to become as a player this year as opposed to last year, I think. One year ago, it was his first season at his highest level yet as a pro, and of course, being drafted out of high school, you have a different experience in the pros. It's like your college experience and professional experience combined as you continue to mature, but last year, I think Sean felt like there was a little bit of unnecessary pressure on him as a top prospect at the time. Obviously, there's been some prospect ranking shufflings between last year and this year, as we've talked about. But I think also knowing that he can get guys out at this level. He did it last year, not with as much success as he would have liked to, but bringing that confidence into his second season in double-A. And also he really was able to command his changeup this year, whereas last year he was still working on making that part of his repertoire that he could go to with confidence and continued consistent success. So definitely mixing up his pitches. And Sean Reed Foley has always been a guy who's had that swagger, that confidence on the field almost to a fault. But I think he channeled it this season through the first six weeks here in double-A before he got that promotion. He channeled it in such a way that allowed him to really shine. And to see that picture that I know the Blue Jays saw back at, at Sandalwood High School in Jacksonville. So I really think this year, despite that first outing in Buffalo, has been truly a Sean Reed Foley in his element and Sean Reed Foley truly being the SRF that everybody knows him to be. Let's set aside Vladimir Guerrero Jr. because he would be the obvious answer to this next question. If I told you, who's the next player that you think is ready for AAA or that you're seeing him take those strides to put him position for that call-up, who would that be, aside from Vladdy? You know, that's a really great question, Jesse, and one that I haven't really pondered myself. I would love to see Jonathan Davis get a shot in AAA, though I understand that there are some depth chart issues that would prevent him from getting that call to AAA just because of who is at AAA and also who's at the big league level. But would love to see J.D. get his, get a chance to swing it at the highest level in the minors. And this is a guy who has been so consistent at the top of the order for the Fisher Cats and, in my opinion, plays the best center field in the Eastern League. I'm not biased in the slightest, that's for sure. But to watch uh, Jonathan do his thing. And then maybe on the pitching side, let's see here. I mean, on the starting side, not really anybody now that Sean Reed Foley got that promotion up to AAA, but somebody who's been quite surprising is Kirby Sneeden. I know he made his call up from advanced aid Dunedin to AA just a few weeks ago, but he has yet to allow an earned run and continues to be really successful. So he could be a guy like Connor Fisk a couple of weeks ago with a very short tenure in AA, who then goes on to have success at the AAA level. So I think Jonathan Davis more wanting to see him have that opportunity at AAA, but then Kirby Sneed really from in, in the bullpen, he has been excellent this year played so many doubleheads this season. I'm just looking at your schedule right now. You played one last Sunday. You played one last Friday. There was one the Sunday before. You've got another one coming up on Saturday. Uh, how has this been? Have you seen anything like this with all of these twin bills? 
this is a first for me in my second season with the Fisher Cats. And even though we had 10 home postponements last year, which at the time was a franchise record, it just didn't seem to have all these double headers back to back to back. And that's because we're so stacked up against teams like Hartford and Binghamton, where you're playing these double headers in the very next time that you see these guys. So there's a lot of familiarity between some of these clubs. And there's actually a nice rivalry that's developed between Binghamton and New, ha- and New Hampshire this year. And a little bit of chippiness as well that I like to see, you know, all in good fun. And that's thanks in part to how much we've seen those guys and those doubleheaders that we've played both at their place and at ours. So with another doubleheader tomorrow against Hartford, we'll certainly see how the guys will be able to hold up. But I do not envy John Schneider, our manager, and Vince Horseman, our pitching coach, having to do the doubleheader dancing, if you will, to try and figure out the rotation and get everybody in there while getting the guys who need rest at the same time, that rest that they need so much. And finally, let me ask you, how does TJ Zoik look? He had his best outing of the year two days ago in Reading. He got his first double-A win. He went seven strong. He was able to scatter eight hits. And we know that the scouting report on TJ Zoik says that there is going to be a lot of contact, but very few well-struck balls off any pitch from TJ Zoik this season in what is now, I think, three or four starts for TJ with the Fisher Cats. But to see him do his thing in Reading the other night, guys would get on base early in the inning, but the next batter or two batters later, he would use that commanding sinker to be able to get those ground balls, and I think we turned three double plays behind him in those seven innings, which was nearly a season high. So to see TJ get comfortable now at double A, and also, you know, he cuts quite a figure out there on the mound, so I'm sure these Eastern League hitters look out there and say, my gosh, six foot seven, who let the ants in? If I, I could use a Lord of the Rings reference for a moment, but TJ's like, Definitely one of those guys who's a nice addition, especially since Sean Reed Foley is no longer with the Fisher Cats. And I know that Vince Horschman and John Schneider are going to lean on him to be a leader in the rotation going forward. The New Hampshire Fisher Cats have the best record in the Eastern League. They're 9-9 at home. They're 18-8 on the road. And this man has seen them all, 27-17 the overall mark. And they are home at Northeast Delta Dental Stadium. They're home starting today against Hartford, doubleheader tomorrow. And right on through next week against Portland, closing out the month. You can find them on Twitter at Tyler underscore Zickel, NHFisherCats.com for the ball club. Tyler Zickel, Zick, thank you very much. Jesse, thanks as always. we got something cooking here in the Granite State as the Cats are going to be above 500 on June 1st for the first time since the championship winning season of 2011. So stay tuned as I know everybody is, but the Cats, look out. That is a beautiful thing. And let's go down the ladder now to A-Advanced Dunedin Blue Jays, the Florida State League affiliate for the Toronto Blue Jays. Let me bring in Jim Tarabokia. Jim, how was your week? Hey, uh, Jesse, it's uh, going well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Okay, theme of the show. What are some unusual, weird things that you've seen in baseball games this year? Um, more rain this year than last year here in the state of Florida. Um, a stupid tropical storm developing on the uh, Gulf Coast that might wipe out a couple of games this weekend. Um, let's see what else. Uh, well, I saw a guy pitch well the other night uh, in Holy Andre Higuera, and then after that he got sent to uh, extended spring. Um, so, I mean, you know, there's been a couple of things, but nothing too uh, out of the, I guess, um, ordinary um, here this year in Dunedin. I, I mean, I, again, it goes back to, um, you know, this team kind of just being on the uh, straight and uh, level arrow, if you will, um, pretty much all season long. Let me follow up, though, because you had fishing night, and you had a guy named Jake Fishman finish the game. When he came in out of the bullpen, did you say, okay, this is how it was meant to be? 
not, no, I wasn't really thinking. I wasn't really thinking about it. I I was, uh, you know, uh, some of our games recently have been very close, and um, we've lost a couple of games that have been really close to, especially to the Florida Fire Frogs in particular. So I was just kind of hoping, you know, hey, let's let's you know nail this thing down, and uh, because the inning before Bergen got into a bases loaded jam, worked out of it and made a couple of big pitches. But uh, I was just hoping, hey, let's just, you know, against the Lakeland team that is pretty good offensively, let's let's just, uh, you know, get it get in and out here in the ninth. So that's kind of what I was what I was thinking about. Now, to your point, um, I saw the tweet after the game um, on our Twitter account, and I said, geez, that's, that's clever. I just com- – I completely missed it on the air. So that's, that's, on, <laughs> that's on me. That's why you and Dan Van are such a great team is because the two of you complement each other so well. Well, we like to say that we're, you know, the uh, the proverbial dream team, you know. Let me ask you about a player that, you know how Justin Dillon got promoted up to Buffalo because they needed a pitcher and suddenly he's excelling and why would you get him yeah. out of Buffalo? Randy Pondler joins you from extended spring training, jumping up over Vancouver, over Lansing, and he puts together a pretty darn good Florida State League debut. Jeez, yeah. I mean, gosh, he was so good last night. And, uh, you know, I think it goes back to, you know, when you're in extended spring, you know, I don't know, but I have a hunch that some of these guys, when they're in extended spring, like a Danny Young last year, for example, um, he started in extended spring, probably wasn't too happy about it. Uh, we've talked about it before, I think, where you have that chip on your shoulder, and you want once you get the opportunity, you want to do as best you possibly can. And I think that was the case with Randy Pondler, who, um, you know, he pitched pretty well last year, and, you know, he just wanted that opportunity. And, and last night he went out there, and Connor Eller gave a good spot start in two and a third. Pondler took over. You know, he doesn't have the blow-away fastball of the up, mid to upper 90s, but he has a low uh, 90s fastball that he really commands well and he commands his off speed pitches well. And he just kind of went out there, let it all hang out and pitched really well. So I was, I was really happy to see that with Randy last night. Uh, I know he was our TD bank player of the game last night on the radio. And uh, I think it was well-deserved because uh, he was a big factor as to why the blue Jays won last night and what could have really turned into a mess um, with, with, what was really supposed to be a bullpen day. You know, you never know when those spot starts and bullpen days, how it's actually going to go. You know, it could some, well, sometimes it turns out to be an absolute mess. Other times it turns out great and it turned out great last night. And then Randy Pondler is a big reason for that. I want to go back to Jake Fishman because I'm looking at his numbers right now, Jim, and his last four outings, four and two thirds, perfect innings. And he has struck out eight batters. Has something clicked or is this just one of those things where each appearance is just piling up on itself? And he keeps turning in those zeros in those Ks. You know, I think it's I think it's a mix of everything, and I think it's a lot of his confidence. I think it's his deception. It's his um, it's his arm slot. If you're looking at his face on a, and uh, you use that as a scouting clock, his arm slot looks to me uh, from my vantage point um, about two o'clock. So, you know, it's tough. He stabs a little bit with the arm, so it's, it's tougher to pick up the baseball if you're a hitter, especially a left-handed batter. And then he's got that sweeping slider too, which is also tough to pick up if you're a left-handed hitter. So. Uh, you know, I think it's a mix of things, and you know, a lot of times, you know, even when you're when you're you know hitting, but more so when you're pitching, when when innings are piling up, where you and we're seeing this right now with Taylor Salcedo, who's starting tonight, who's been excellent. He's won three of his last four outings. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're when you're to me, when you're a pitcher, you know, it's easier I think in this game mm-hmm. to pitch than it is to hit personally, and I, I you know, especially mentally, it doesn't take as much toll on you mentally unless you're a starter and you're really you really, you know, crap to bed, 
and you got to wait another five days to start. But, you know, when innings are piling up and you're actually, you know, striking out guys and you have the command, you're not walking anybody and, you know, guys aren't really getting many hits off you. You're not giving up many runs like we're seeing with Salcedo. And that's a confidence booster. And now you're going out there and you're just letting it flow. And I think that's the case with Fishman, but also with his mechanics as well. He's tough to pick up. And, you know, his stuff, his fastball moves a lot, too. And then, of course, he's got that sweeping slider, which is his second-best pitch. It's really tough on that. Joined by Jim Tarabokia, the voice of the DJs. Jim, I'll make you a trade. I will trade you two scouting reports for the price of one because we are getting Matthew Gunter from Dunedin, and I want to hear about him. But you have gotten Jen C. Diaz and Zach Loeb from the Lansing Lugnuts, and I can tell you all about those guys. Yeah, sure. So uh, you want me to go first? Go right ahead. Um, well, with Gunter, um, you know, here's a guy, again, another guy from extended spring. He's got a big chip on his shoulder, you know, 33rd round draft selection last year. You know, I look at him and he has a pretty smooth arm slot, you know, pretty, pretty smooth delivery, repeats the mechanics well. Um, you know, he has good arm action. His fastball is relatively deceptive. He can pump up that fastball to 94. He's got good off-speed stuff, and he's another guy who likes to work quick, and when he gets into rhythm, um, you know, he, he this is, by the way, the, the Reader's Digest version of the scouting report. I don't, uh, I don't want to give you, you know, the whole, the whole dealio. That'll take a half hour, but... Um, Again, when he you know when he commands his fastball, he can work off that fastball and and with the off speed stuff. And you're going to get a guy too who could not only be a reliever, whether it be a middle innings guy or even maybe a seventh inning guy, but also a starter who can be stuck in there and uh, you know go you know four or five innings, maybe even six innings. You know his max here was four innings. So um, you know I think with Gunter. Um, with him, he really earned this opportunity to pitch here, but also earned the opportunity to pitch now full-time at Lansing and really show what he can do. And I, and I think he's, he's got some uh, some good stuff, and I think you got a, you guys got a good pitcher coming your way. Out of Hawaii Pacific, the Sharks. All right, Jim, let me bring on Dante DeCaria, voice of the Lansing Lugnuts, with me. Dante, Jen C. Diaz goes up to Dunedin. Zach Lowe goes up to Dunedin. Quick, the Reader's Digest scouting reports for Jim about what he can expect about both Jen C. and Zach Lowe. Well, Jesse, again, thanks for having me on on this beautiful Saturday or Friday afternoon in uh, downtown Lansing. And, you know, it's really tough to lose both of those guys, but, I mean, let's be quite honest. They deserve to be up in Dunedin, and I believe that both of them are going to have great success in advance day. For Jen C. Diaz, I think uh, they're getting a great kid who um, has an excellent fastball and has done a really good job mixing in his off-speed stuff and his breaking ball. Um, he's um, maturing as a pitcher. He knows how to pitch. He's not just fastball, come and get it. He knows how to mix things up. He knows how to work inside, outside, high, and down low. At the end. He is uh, at radar gun. He'll be anywhere from 88 to 90 max. And has you know, really nice delivery. He knows how to attack the hitters. He has a game plan. He's loose. He uses his fastball inside, outside, bottom of the zone, top of the zone. And he has a really nice breaking ball. And his changeup is probably by far the best lefty changeup that we've seen on this staff this season, although there's only two lefties on the staff. But I think his changeup probably, according to Tony Costas, is one of the best lefty changeups that we have in the organization. So there you go, Jim. And especially you can always talk hockey with Zach Logue, who's a tremendous guy and a big-time hockey fan because he was a big-time hockey player. You just added yep. two pretty darn good starters to your team. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and, uh, you know, I like competitors because we, we like to win here in Dundee. 
Excellent. Jim Tara Bokia, voice of the DJs at Jim Tara on Twitter. Thank you very much, sir, for your time. Jesse, thank you, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Well, let's stay with Dante DiCaria. Let's talk some Lansing Lugnuts. And let's begin with what occurred for the Lugnuts playing in South Bend over the past four days. In the first game of the series, the Lugnuts won a nail-biter. The final score, 2-1, to one, and that was thanks to this enormous play in the outfield by Chavez Young. Right-hander to right-hander. Gravel sets, offers. Line shot, right center field. Chavez Young rushes back into his left. Can he get there? He dives, and he makes the catch. Chavez Young lays out. He robs Bethencourt, and the seventh inning is over. Highway robbery at Four Winds Field. Deep in the right center gap, he went airborne. Superhero style. And we go to the eighth. Lansing still leads. Lugnuts two. Cubs won. That was the first game of the series, and then the series finale after the Lugnuts dropped to games two and game three. Maverick Bufo struck out nine and six innings. He allowed only one run, but a three-run bottom of the eighth inning for the South Bend Cubs gave them the lead going to the ninth. There, the Lugnuts loaded up the bases with one out, and that brought up Brandon Grudzelanek. Smith at third. He walked. The pinch runner, Chavez Young, at second. Pinch running for Lundquist to walk. Intentional walk to Godinho at first. Payoff. Grizzolanek hits it in the air. Center field. Singleton tracks it back to his right. It's over his head. It bounces off the wall. Smith scores. Young dashes for home. He's in and the Lugnuts lead. The baseball relayed in as Godinho stops at third. It is a two-run go-ahead double for Brandon Grizzolanek. 5-4 Lugnuts in the ninth inning. His second double with the Lugnuts. His second RBI of the game. Brandon Grizzolanek turns around the Rodriguez fastball and he swatted it to the big part of the yard. Dr. DiCario, what a dramatic series for the Lugnuts on the road. It really was a crazy series for the Lansing Lugnuts because they started off the series with a nail-biter 2-1 to victory in Game 1 and then somehow um, lost Game 2 by walks coming in the seventh inning. And then all of a sudden in Game 3, Zach Logue pitched the biggest per- pitching performance we have ever seen in this season for the Lansing Lugnuts, eight innings and shutout innings until the home run by Amaya in that eighth inning that took the lead one nothing for South Bend, and that's how they won it. And then in the final game of the series, Lansing Lugnuts ha- had a great performance from Maverick Bufo as he uh, went, you know, six plus inning or six innings. He had nine strikeouts, which is a career high for him. Uh, of course, the career high six innings as well. And then all of a sudden the bullpen again blows it. And it was meant for Brendan Grizzolanek to pull it off in the dramatics again for the Lansing Lugnuts, you know, their first come from behind victory going into the ninth inning. And, it was just, you know, finally the team realizing, okay, we need to work some at-bats. We need to walk. We need to get on base. And we saw a lot at the beginning of this series, especially against Brandon Little. They were swinging at first pitches. They were swinging at the fastball early in the count, and they were inducing soft contact, and they weren't getting on base. And when you don't get on base, you don't give Kevin Smith or Brock Lundquist opportunities to drive you in. And even guys at the bottom of the order, like Ryan Noda, I feel like if he has guys on base a little bit more, he's going to drive in some runs. Let's talk a little bit more about that Zach Logue start. Logue gets the call up. 
Today advanced Neden. But the theme of this week's show was oddities, weirdness, the unusual things that happened. Have you ever seen a nine-inning baseball game played in an hour 56 minutes before? That was the first time I have ever seen a baseball game in uh, that nine innings that finished under two hours. And there was still sunlight. I mean, we were pretty much still in the game. And when Amaya hit that home run in the eighth inning, I was like, oh, okay, it's like the fifth inning. Like, it, you know, sitting there and I look and I'm like, wait a minute, it's the eighth inning. That was probably the fastest game that I've ever seen. It was fast because, I mean, Zach Logue allowed three hits in total, two coming in the eighth inning, one before that that went off Brock Lundquist's glove. Technically, he probably should have had a, uh, a no-hitter going into that eighth inning, which was unbelievable. He was just that good. I talked to Tony Castres about it after the game, and he told me that that was the best pitching performance we had had from a Lansing Lugnuts pitcher this season. And again, fastball command, that's how you win ball games. It doesn't matter how hard you throw. Zach Logue had fastball command, and he mixed in his breaking ball and changeup effectively. The Lansing Lugnuts are now 30-17. and 17. They are back home for a seven-game homestand. And as they approach the first half's conclusion of this year, all they've got to do is stay in one of the top two spots. They're a half game up on Bowling Green. They're three and a half games up on uh, the West Michigan Whitecaps. If they do stay in one of those top two spots by the All-Star break, they punch their postseason ticket, and they're into the playoffs from the first half of this Midwest League schedule. Dante DeCaria, you can find him on Twitter at Diamond underscore Dante. Thank you very much for your time this week. Jesse, always a pleasure to come on to the show. Love you so much. See ya. You've got it. Well, from Dante DeCaria to Jim Tarabokia, to Tyler Zickel, and to Pat Malacaro. I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler, and this has been Around the Nest, Jay-talking our way around Lansing, Dunedin, New Hampshire, and Buffalo, around the Blue Jays organization. Big thanks to our friends at Bluebird Banter, particularly the minor leaguer. Check out his chart. He worked very hard to develop a system so you can travel around, uh, support the Toronto Blue Jays on the road, and also see where every single affiliate is on the road as well to help out with your trip planning. Go to Bluebird, uh, bluebirdbanter.com. Meanwhile, for me, I'm Jesse Goldberg-Strassler at jgoldstrassler on Twitter and Around the Nest at Around Nest. That's it for this week. Enjoy the baseball.